Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pod on Point Podcast. My name is Vladimir Bosanak, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike McPhee. Mike, say hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to talk about sports, business, the business of sports, and everything in between. We're going to hit on cricket. We're going to hit on UFC, but we'll come back here to the States, NBA, Major League Baseball, college football. We'll hit them all. We'll address news. We'll talk about what's interesting, and we'll put our spin and analysis on it. Yeah, and we're going to interview some interesting people as time goes by and uh, make sure this is fun and informative uh, for everyone. So a little bit about us. Uh, two great buddies. Uh, both of us are dads. Uh, we both worked for interesting companies over the years. And most importantly, we were both college athletes. Mike, remember those days? Um, so our stories will uh, focus a little bit on that and our perspective on, on sports, not just from observers, but also as former participants and people that I think understand business, right? Oh, of course. That's right. We're also bringing this to you from Mobile Studios. It's all the rage these days. Vlad's in Seattle, the Jet City. I'm in the Mile High City, Denver, Colorado. But we have a global sports perspective, and we're going to talk about all sports, everything that we see that's interesting. And we hope you'll join us on this journey of sports travels each and every week. Let's kick it off, lad. All right, let's go, Mike. So the first thing we're going to do is take you through what we call a speed round. And that's going to basically focus on a couple of topics that we find interesting from, from the past week or the past couple of weeks. But it'll be kind of our take on, on a few items like that. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to go into a more detailed kind of five, top five stories that we're going to address um, every every week. Sometimes it'll be three, sometimes it'll be four, sometimes six, but we're going to try and settle on five as much as possible. And then we're going to close off with something that we call, come on, man. And it'll be basically <laughs> our, our little, our little take on things that we've seen that just don't seem right. So anyway, so let's kick it off with our speed round. Uh, uh, Mike, this week, I got a couple for you. Let's so first off, um, I'm going to say, uh, I found Roger Goodell's uh, statement on uh, working with Colin Kaepernick a little interesting, and sort of uh, you know the timing of all of that is is a little curious to me. Mm -hmm. um, I I you know, I, you know this has been something that's been discussed you know over and over. There's a lot of you know perspectives mm -hmm. on this, but I, I found it a little hollow, uh, mm -hmm. I, and and I'm sort of curious kind of why why they're you know doing it now, and we can only we can only speculate about that, but. You know, would would love to hear your two cents on that as well. You know, it, it, this is an interesting start here, Vlad. We'll speed round this guy, but man, there's just so many legs to it, and and I just kind of equate this to, you know, this is five years in the making with Cap, right? I think that's 2016, yeah. 2015, somewhere back there, and I, I kind of feel like this is just kind of the the throwaway. We could have done better statement. Um, it, it's like the that headline on the front page of the news that kind of slanders somebody, and then back on. Four days later, 10th page, like, uh, we got that story wrong. This is kind of that 10th page, we, we kind of got that story wrong. And yeah. uh, I think they need to come back to the front page, engage with this man, and, and, and take it from there. 
Yeah, and I think you know the quote was sort of interesting. Um, so, so what he said exactly, and I'm you know reading from an article that reported on on this quote that said you know we had invited him, meaning comes to have the conversation, to have the dialogue. Um, I wish we had the benefit of that. We never did, and we would have benefited from that absolutely. When you kind of parse into that statement, um, you're you're sort of wondering. Um, what, what do you mean you didn't have the benefit of that? Like, did it? <laughs> why did it not happen? <laughs> and and I and that's right. the part that sort of sounded a little I don't know. It sounded a little off uh, given where we are. And I almost wonder, Mike, if this was a little bit of a you know reaction perhaps to how the NBA has handled it and what what they've done with it. Yeah. Uh, again, we're totally speculating, but but I'm you know curious if that's uh, you know now they're kind of coming back to it and saying you know. In, uh, the NBA is definitely not getting hurt by being all out on this, uh, you know, message. Maybe, maybe we should do something about it too. Um, anyway, yeah, and 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 we're just kicking off all the training camps, and you know, we're a couple weeks out from the start of the season, so um, it should be one to watch to see if folks, when they get a live audience with Roger, if this is something that they go back to this exact statement and say, uh, what, what, what were you thinking? Agreed, Tell us agreed. More. And I think, and I think uh, let's hope this is the start of a conversation and my understanding is Colin is still available. So, hey, maybe somebody should pick him up <laughs> for a couple of seasons. For sure. That would be, that would be the best for way to sure. do it. All right, my next one is, um, uh, well, it was going to be about playoff Luka Doncic and, and what, what he's done with, uh, with the Dallas Mavericks, <laughs> but last night was ugly. Uh, they lost a game like over 40 points. Um, I started watching during the second quarter. They were already down by, you know, over 20 and I was just like, oh no. And then I, and then I was pulled away as everybody else is with, you know, family things. But I came back and I realized not only they lose by 40, but Doncic got a technical, the, the, the coach got ejected. Um, (laughs) right. Uh, I mean, it was just a mess. And, and then there was some, um, Insinuation from Doncic that perhaps uh, Marcus Morris from the Clippers may have may have stepped on his you know hurt ankle you know by on on you know purpose, and and again you know he's saying I hope he didn't do it but but it was it, it just went from like this um, um, amazing you know um, you know comeback story for the for for the Mavericks I mean they just fell apart uh, yes yesterday and I and I hope they pull it together this week and even out the series and make it more interesting thoughts thoughts from you. Yeah, you know, as we said, we we thought we'd be talking about the the big points that he's racking up and that 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 end of game deep three. Um, but the Clippers said not tonight. They put up a hundred and fifty-four yes. points. Was that was anybody playing defense? It's insane. Yeah, any defense in there. So it was like it was wonderful. It was like this this blend of of like of old school basketball now where he's threatening like he feels threatened by trying to be injured so we're now we're going back to like celtics lakers you know you got guys that are kind of roughing each other this is playoff basketball one game to the next the story changes he was riding his high and he came in and clippers said not tonight young fella yeah i I love it i love it it's just part of what makes it is yeah and you know the fact that we're talking about it i think is also testament to perhaps our next topic. So let's jump jump into that, um, into into the bubble. Let's do so it. Uh, we're gonna run through our kind of five top stories that we picked for for this week. Um, first, we're gonna talk about the bubbles, um, and then we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the parents and Big Ten and what's going on there and how they're you know pushing back on the decision to cancel the football season. We're gonna talk a little bit about 
University of Washington's um, athletic department deficit. And then we're going to jump to some innovation, uh, a new tennis tournament format that was uh, launched in France earlier this summer. And then we're going to close it off with uh, A-Rod and J-Lo looking to get into the baseball game together. So, um so there we go. A little pop culture little in there, too. A little pop culture, right. So bubbles, bubbles, all about the bubbles. So, um, you know, uh, let's talk first about the successful bubbles. So we just mentioned, you know, the NBA. There was some excitement, the games, right? I mean, sounds like these guys did it did it right um, in, in, at Disney in uh, Orlando. World Team Tennis actually has not been in the news as much, but they've had a very successful bubble with, with their league. They were at Greenbrier Resort in uh, West Virginia. Um, I think they went off, mm-hmm. you know, without a hitch, and they were also very strict about it, which mm-hmm. is which is in, which is interesting. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, the NHL is forming its own version of their own bubble. They're doing it a little differently than the NBA is. They're picking two cities, so they're kind of splitting up the teams into into two markets. And then also mm-hmm. another one that was very successful, maybe not has not been in the news as much is the uh, TBT, the basketball tournament, which uh, had a two-week bubble in Columbus. So very, very successful. So Mike, before we kind of dive in, your your thoughts on the bubbles and is this is this going to be the future of sports? You know, I think um, when you think future, it, it certainly has a lot of legs for being the near term. Uh, none of us can really say how far out this thing's going to go, you know, in the broader COVID sense and its impact on our on our life and entertainment. But but man, you see so many different interpretations here, and and you and you hope that they're all studying each other. Yeah. You got to believe they're studying each other, and 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 it's so interesting to see what they do from a. What are the penalties if you step away? What is the impact? Um, you know, just when one of the very first ones. Let's go back to like yeah. MLS. They started one in Orlando. Orlando's been the spot for four or five of these, I believe. Um, they kicked two whole teams out before the whole thing started because they had like half the roster had had uh yep. had, had tested yep. positive and they said team teams are out um and so super super large penalty there on the front end we haven't seen anything else like that but uh i'm sure you're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the mechanics and how these are going yeah what's what's very interesting about it is um you know you and i mike both come from from a business background right so one of the things that we you know, always talk about is, you know, you, you got to pivot, you got to figure out things very quickly, right? This is, this is not the time to sort of wait for things to, you know, clear out. And I think the NBA really kind of, um, stepped on that really, really quickly. And now you can see them even leading with, mm-hmm. um, you know, their own saliva tests. They're, you know, working with, 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 uh, mm-hmm. Yale's new product, Yale, um, university announced that they're going to, you know, have a, uh, much cheaper and faster, more accurate saliva test, which makes testing a lot more, you know, safer and more pleasant, if if you can say that. Um, and so, you know, it sounds like the NBA is investing in that with them, which I think is very, very interesting. Um, and also, uh, you know, I, I, it, same with same with World Team Tennis, same with uh, you know NHL. I mean, they're kind of looking at what others are doing and trying to replicate it. And I think it's all a sign of kind of where where things are going to be. I, I don't think that um, we're going to be out of this virus thing that quickly. And this might be the way we look at sports for the next couple of years, three, four years even. If, I mean, at, at the end yeah. of the day, these teams, I mean, their Maybe. athletes are their assets, right? 
if one of these guys gets sick, um, I mean, they're investing a lot of money in them. So they want to make sure that they're all healthy and can, you know, produce, right? You know, another angle just came out in this last day or two. In fact, after that big blowout last night with the Clippers, Paul George, he talked about the the isolation of this bubble, though. So so he's he's feeling isolated from his family. It kind of put him into a yeah. funk for his first few games. And then last night he breaks out with 35 points and leads the team through last night's route. So this thing's complicated, and uh, and I think the interpretations vary as to who's allowed, um, how long they're going to be there, when are they going home, those types of things, um, and and who's to say how many more of these we're going to have. And and as you said, I think Major League Baseball yeah. is looking at it for the playoffs. I think NFL's talked about it for their postseason. Maybe they've got to even bring it forward if they've got to do it earlier in the year. Well, remains to yeah, be seen. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. But, yeah. Um, it, it, it's certainly here now across the board. And uh, another one's kind of jumping off here in about two weeks that's kind of a bubble light, shall we say. It's, uh, it's an interesting one, the U.S. Open. Yes. U.S. Open. In fact, they even started this week with uh, the Cincinnati tournament by name. Right. is actually in New York. So it's kind of giving them their test run on a bubble. But what they're doing is all the players are in the same hotel, but they're somewhere, I think, in Manhattan, and the tournament's yeah. over in Flushing Meadow, and there's going to be no fans. They're going to play these games over the next three, four weeks. But they gave some of the superstars an opportunity to live somewhere else, like Serena Williams is going to be living in a house. She has some other either conditions with, with her breathing, or I think, or something in her family. But, um, again, just another interpretation. We'll see how successful this one is. And a number of the major players... Yeah. U.S. Open means yeah. such a global game. A number of the major players have opted out and are staying back in their home country with having to fly yeah. all around the globe and things like I that. I think so. you're spot on. And what what is what is interesting also here is then you know what's what's the what's the point of a of a local stadium then going forward, right? And home team crowd. Right. Um, I mean, I I don't know. You know, I, I saw I saw the news at Hard Rock Stadium. I think uh, the governor of Florida, or I, I don't know who announced this. I think it was the governor of Florida, but but they announced basically they're go they're going to allow um, as many as thirteen thousand people at the Hard Rock Stadium. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for for some games mm-hmm. and matches and that kind of thing. And I guess that's kind of interesting. There, you know, th- that makes some sense. But then you're also like. You know, playing it th- from thirteen thousand people. I mean, it's it's almost. I think some of some of the basketball guys are kind of used to it a little bit because you know, in in AAU games, it was just the parents watching, right? <laughs> and and this might be sure. It, it it may not matter anymore, sort of where they play, at least for the foreseeable future, right? Until we can get you know crowds into these big arenas and and feel comfortable, they'll be safe. But um, something to keep watching. Something yeah. to keep watching for sure. I think another angle to this, though, too, is maybe some team, when we get out of this mode, some team takes a flyer on saying, we're not going to have a home base. We're going to move around or we're going to pick a team and we're going to land it in some super city that uh, gives them a chance to drive their business model differently. They're not going to follow. They're not going to go with filling up the building. They're going to go with driving their you know viewership across the globe. So it should be interesting to watch. Very interesting. What if uh, what if a team decides to be, hey, we're going to be the Texas something, right? And they go and play in, you know, all the big markets in the state, right? Or 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 something like that, For right? Sure. That, that could be. That's a very interesting point. I've, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. should be fun to watch. Okay, let's take our second story here, Vlad. Let's go. This one's about Power Five football. So. Credit to uh, Adam Rittenberg, an ESPN senior writer. He wrote up a really long pitch on 
football parents seeking an audience yep. with the Big Ten commissioners. Kind of a little bit of a chuckle here where they were rallying outside of the Big Ten office in Chicago, an empty Big Ten office in Chicago because everybody's working remotely. But just a little bit of a chuckle. But the parents are are throwing a flag on the Big Ten, and they've got concerns that echo what the fan base has, what administrators that the school has. They're kind of all aligned around several different parts here. So let's dig into this a little bit about how the Big Ten has suspended football, but we also know that the Pac-12 has done it too. And, and correction, they've suspended yeah. all fall sports. Yeah. So it's not just football, but but the, these parents are the ones that are kind of rallying and, and finding trying to find their voice here. So they've got concerns around the timing of the announcement. Just a couple days prior, there was a publishing of schedules, and then the thing came off as we're not playing at all. They're concerned about process. They're concerned about the rationale, the lack of communication, and and quite frankly, they want to know how each school voted, which gets a little bit tricky. Yeah. There. But but what's interesting is 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 why do we have such a why is there such a Big Ten blowback and there's not a Pac-12 blowback? And and I think there's a couple parts to that. Is first off in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 held conference calls between the people that were meeting around should we have the schedule, and then all some of the major coaches. They documented their rationale on why we're not playing this fall. They made themselves available to the media, and they said, let's talk about our decision here. But the Big Ten didn't do any of those things. They had no conference calls. They gave no media access. They published no documentation. And in addition, some of their coaches were out kind of rattling the chain saying, we want to play. You know, you had Harbaugh making statements. You've got James Franklin over at Penn State. And so there's some real contrast between these two conferences as to how they've handled it's effectively the same story. They've made the same decision. We're postponing sports this fall. But I think there might be one other angle here that maybe something to explore over time is that you, you follow leadership, and the commissioner of the Big Ten is a former NFL guy. And the NFL has, has really kept a, a yeah. buttoned-up process yeah. over the decades. And, and it makes you wonder if he's just leading the team, leading his risk management strategy, saying, we're going to be buttoned up. Or just top-down, this is my decision. We're and we're sticking with it, or you know. That's right, that's right. That could be the angle, um, but but there's one other one here is that the parents are the ones getting out there, and and and, and what do you think here, yeah. Vlad, with the parents <laughs> trying to yeah. get get a say in on 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 their college kids' future? Yeah, you know, Mike, this one hits me a little bit viscerally. I have to say, you know, let's let's take us back to mm-hmm. our our athlete days, right? Long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, right? Long time ago. Um, when you had parents, you mm-hmm. know, meddling in, you know, who's playing and who should be playing and how they should be playing and, you oh, know, brother. that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm a little, you know, I, I guess the word is annoyed. I mean, I get it. But at the same time, I'm I'm going to be a little bit of a cynic here. Um, I'll take the but, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering a little bit about, you know, the money, right? And if this is about the opportunity <laughs> for their kids to you know, make money and get to the next level. And this is a very important sort of next step to get to the NFL. So I'm, I'm, you know, notwithstanding Kevin Warren's approach, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I also in a little bit, you know, feel a little bit like, well, who, who cares what the parents have to say? One, this is a private association, number one. Number two, the arrangements that they have primarily are with the coaches and with the staff and then let's be honest, secondarily with the, with the athletes, right? So I think at some level they probably realize, hey, this is going to be tough. We don't want 
coaches and administrators to die. We don't want kids to die. Um, and I would, wouldn't be surprised if it happens to to get a little bit morbid here. But I wonder if you know they basically just made that decision and sort of like this is the, this is our our mm-hmm. decision. We don't need to kind of provide that feedback. Now, having said that, maybe they do. You know, look, I I, I kind of land in a similar spot with these with the parents being so heavily involved. I, I love that they're involved. I love that they're involved in their athletes' yeah. lives, and, and we know that these athletes have deep family benches behind them to get them to their spots, and for a lot of them. But at the same time, this is a thing that I think they need to remain behind the scenes. I think there's an opportunity to have players have an audience and maybe there's a, a, a couple player reps per team that get a chance to talk yeah. about this because this thing's not over. You've got, how's it going to come in the fall? We've already seen there's eligibility things where everyone's getting kind of the free pass, but then what does that mean if everybody right. rolls back and stays on roster and you've got scholarship challenges and you've got all these different things? We're going to be dealing with this for for the foreseeable future. And and I don't think it's the parent. So the parents shouldn't be at the table, but I believe some version of players should be there, some level of coaches, and get in and have a dialogue is, is I think, the right model to, to embrace here. Yeah, there's there's pressure here. I think I think these parents are maybe realizing, look, my kid may be replaced next year, even though they have another year of eligibility. Maybe the team doesn't want them there for another year. I mean, let's be honest here, right? Right. Um, and so they're seeing this as an opportunity of like, hey, I, we we want to play. We let us let us you know, like you know, let's go, right? We'll, we'll but, accept our but, own risk. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, I think you know, like I said, you know the um, you know the Big Ten uh, you know conference is a private entity. You know, this is this is not a shareholder, <laughs> right? Kind of right. and right. entity. Now they may go through the universities and push push the university. Uh, you know, I think the comment that you made, they want to see who voted how, is probably another way of trying to put pressure locally, right? Right. But I think, um, like like you said earlier, I think if they took the approach uh, that maybe the the you know the Pac-12 took. And were more communicative, uh, you know. They were, you know, more collaborative in their approach in terms of how this is announced mm-hmm. and that. They could probably take away, you know, eighty percent of the, you know, negative feedback that they have from these parents and um, have a much sort of have much more acceptance in their in their in their decision. I think so. I think so. And I think they're getting a couple more cracks at this because uh, there's a lot more stuff that's going to have to be thought out. And uh, so we'll see how they operate. Yeah. Yeah. Should we jump on to the next one? Let's do it. All right. So this is uh, UW. So as, as you said at the top of the hour here, um, I live here in Seattle. Um, one of the things, you know, I have no affiliation with the University of Washington. I did not attend school there. Uh, my only affiliation with them is through, you know, we bought some tickets and attended, you know, a bunch of their, you know, sporting events over the mm-hmm. last few years. Um, mm-hmm. And I got this email. So the the point I'm making with this is if I got this email, that means everybody got this email. <laughs> it was from the athletic director basically saying, you know, help us out, help us out. We're going to have a big budget deficit in the athletic department. She said the budget is not final, but to the tune of $70 million. So that's a, that's a big nut, right? And they're basically saying... Hey, help us out! You know we're you know you know we're all family. We're all in this together, and it and it kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, and mm-hmm. here's here's my take, Mike, and I would love to hear your your feedback on it. Uh, one, mm-hmm. I think it's ill timed. Um, you know, there's unemployment everywhere. It's going to continue this way. They're asking for for you know donations. Uh, 
to the tune of seventy million dollars. It just seems like a, like a big, big number. Uh, you know, in in a region in in a country that's you know going to continue to be affected on an economic and un, and unemployment basis. Um, at the end of the note, there's a there's a statement that you know, oh, also do it for the athletes. You know, we need you know sixteen million dollars to you know fund the scholarships, mm-hmm. which comes to about twenty four twenty five thousand dollars per athlete. The way the way I count, counted it, they have about okay. six hundred fifty athletes. However, those 650 athletes are um, associated or assisted by 400, around 400 coaches and administrators. It's unreal. That is a big number. Um, And I think this might be the time, like we talked about, you know, the NBA and the bubbles um, earlier, you know, innovate or die. Uh, You know, let me hear your thoughts on this before I jump into some some of my own further here. Yeah, you know, we get it. This story's playing out nationwide. Um, different major programs are releasing different stories. Uh, Connecticut dropping some sports. Stanford uses yep. as an opportunity to drop 20-plus sports. Like that, That's going to continue to happen. But but you hit on one here that, that it really kind of was like, oh, my, really? You had 650 athletes, beautiful, wonderful thing, supported by 400 administrators. That that's an incredible yeah. number. So when the revenues flush, I get it. Maybe you're building out new facilities. You've got all kinds of staff everywhere you look, but it's a new day. It's a new day, and and I well, don't want to start with cutting back the athletes, but but that ratio right there. We, we're business guys here. Let we look at this as like you're running a business. Like yeah. okay, revenues aren't going to be as flush as they were. Where do I need to cut back some projects? Where do I need to cut back some some areas where Maybe we're a little bit too too heavy um, from a from a our, our project perspective, from a 100%. human capital perspective, and and I think that's gonna have to happen. And you know that 650 athletes, I, I'm sure with, with 400 administrators, I'm sure they're just one of many that do that. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it's, and I, I'm not gonna throw flames not knowing which programs are doing it, but but pick the big names. They've the, the revenues flush, so all around it's flush, and I think they're gonna have to rethink all that. I think so. I think so. And and I think that the athletes are the revenue generating asset here. The facilities mm-hmm. are not. Let's be true here. Even though the money comes to the facilities, but they come to watch the players, right? I would say focus focus on that item first. Um and you know, innovate. Uh, maybe sell off some facilities, find you know, Find some entities that would be, you know, good at managing them, would pay you up front, right? Uh, they touted a hundred-plus million-dollar deal with Adidas to put all their sports uh, teams to wear Adidas gear. You know, where'd that money go? Um, they, you know, I, I'm, you know, curious how much of a pay cut uh, is the AD getting? Are the coaches getting? I, I believe, and I haven't seen this, but I, I, this is anecdotal, but I, I do believe that, that she agreed to a 10% pay cut and the coach agreed to a 10% pay, pay cut. Now, okay. Mike, you, you you and I know, you know, the coach is is a millionaire. 10% sure. pay cut, you know, is not a whole lot. Um, I'm sure the athletic director probably makes, what, two, 300 grand a year as well, right? 10% in that. Um, again, it, it's, it's not a big nut. Um, I would have loved if instead of reaching out to literally everybody, everybody that bought tickets, everybody that's associated with the university any particular way, I would have loved if they said, "Look, we got a seventy million dollar cut, you know, uh, shortfall, but we're gonna we're gonna figure out twenty million here or thirty million here by doing these five things or these ten or twenty things." 
I would have actually been like, okay, you know, maybe I'll give him 20 bucks. Maybe I'll give him 100 bucks. Maybe I'll give him 200 bucks. I would have felt a little bit better about it hmm. versus, hey, we're just going to wait until this all kind of resolves itself. And in the meantime, mm -hmm. you fund what we need. Yeah, uh, I, I I very bad taste in my mouth, and it just I just think it's it's ill timed and not appropriate. Yeah, you know, did it have that GoFundMe link at the bottom? Did did, did they do that for you? <laughs> there there was a link. Yes, okay, there's the GoFundMe link. There, there was drop, a drop link. us twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's it's like the it's like the other story about Big Ten Big Ten problems and things. It's like uh, communication, your messaging. Boy, folks are going to get this thing wrong, and 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 I, and I believe that 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 messaging and what UW did for you there is, it's just not hitting the right notes. Well, and and I'm curious if other schools are doing this too. And this is sort of a message to our you know listeners. We'd love to hear back if if uh, you know of other schools. I I think um, I saw some headline yesterday or earlier this this week. Uh, some other schools were saying they're gonna, you know, be losing over 100 million over the next few years. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is not just a UW kind of thing. This is going to be everywhere, and right. um, I think what it's going to really do is sort of, you know, it's going to kind of sort of showcase the sort of the ugly nature of uh, of uh, <laughs> of you know prioritizing what matters more. And I and I fear, I fear that you know the athletes are going to lose out here. I think so. And and just one more little, maybe a, a teaser, because I'm sure we'll get into college sports and the revenue models and who the money flows to in time and, and one of our takes here. And and this one is 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 just tip of the iceberg. I agree. I agree. We're, we're going to see more of this. All right. The next one I have is this um, innovative tennis tournament in France. So back to our kind of innovation um, speak, but Patrick Mortoglu, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, um, so he is a, um, a coach. So he's been, he's actually been coaching Serena Williams. Um, he started in France, a tournament with an Australian player, uh, Alexei Paprin, um, who's also playing in it. Totally new model of play. Essentially, they've kind of reshuffled how tennis is played. Players can call timeouts during the match. Uh, the game has a different format. Um, instead of you know serving you know love fifteen thirty forty right, um, each player gets two balls and then they switch. They play in quarters. Um, in between the in, in between the quarters, wow. you know the players get to sit down and talk and analyze their play. So it's very interactive. Wow. Um, there are there are also game cards. A little bit of kind of like if you're playing Uno, there's a little bit of like I take your serve or you do this or play it. You know, <laughs> there's a, which which is a little kooky. I'm not sure if all of these things are going to stick around, but they're they're really innovating the game. But what's also interesting about it is you know it is it is all essentially virtual, right? So they're they're broadcasting this mm -hmm. through the internet effectively, and then they're charging a viewership fee. Right. Mm. Um, so, Mike, your 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 thoughts on innovation in in sports? Yeah. Well, you know, and being an innovation in my in my business side of, of I, I love things. I love things like this. So just start with that. Love love what they're doing, and I feel like they're they're one of so many that I think are gonna they're gonna pop with it. They get, they're gonna hit a great idea. Some are gonna fail, but some are gonna hit a great idea, yeah. and it's gonna be off and running, just like so much so many other innovation stories out there. But a couple other parts to this is. Just like in business innovation, there's some of the old guard industries are ripe for the new upstart to come and do something differently. 100%. Tennis is an old guard industry in sports, right? And 
Um, just even the 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 take take the Grand Slam model, which Grand Slams are wonderful. I love tennis. I play tennis, but go with some of those matches. Like you, you you're gonna sit down and yeah. watch Roger Federer, where you're gonna spend your time watching some of the best players. You're gonna watch the Joker. You can watch Andy yeah. Murray. You're gonna have to set aside minimum two hours. If you stick with it, the top end, maybe you stick three, maybe you stick four, maybe it's a five-hour match, folks. Who's Rain, got Rain that Delay kind of London, Randy Delay in London, Randy Delay in London, right? And and, right. and and you 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 draw on the history of it, the culture of it, but if you want to bring in new fans, I can't imagine new fans sitting down and saying, "Oh, let's yep. try this," and then, "Oh, wait, it's going to be going for the rest of my afternoon," and and how how do you draw in a new audience that way? Right. Well, and and also, Mike, this is not your father's or your grandfather's or your great grandfather's tennis, That's right? It. I mean, I think Patrick and uh, Alexei are going after a totally different demographic. They're realizing that this sort of you know boomer and older kind of you know crowd is at some point going to disappear, right? So they're thinking of how can we create something that will you know, keep tennis interesting. What's interesting about this is that the players are, you know, they're not like top players. They're maybe like, you know, second, third tier players. So they're good enough where the game is interesting mm -hmm. and they know how to play it. So when you watch them, it's, you know, it's not like you and I hacking at it, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, but, but it's actually, you know, skilled players that know how to play the mm -hmm. game. And, and then they're also putting on a platform that is automatically global, right? So, um, you know, when you think of like Wimbledon and the big four, right, it's still sort of TV rights. You know what I mean? Like you have to watch it at a certain time. If you want to watch it live, you have to find a TV, you have to find a channel, right. right? These guys are basically saying, forget all that. Let's distribute this globally and let's just charge a fee that, you know, it'll cost you, you know, two strawberry creams at Wimbledon for, <laughs> for a fee for this annual, for this annual thing, right? Yeah. I think I think when you you kind of got to be careful in some of these spaces though because look there you you got to innovate I think at the top line you're innovating around the the format of the game the distribution model the time involved you, definitely those are things let's get radical there but you also got to make sure that the game stays the same in its construct because Otherwise, that the fundamentals you, are not so different that it's yeah, weird, right? You, it becomes a Frankenstein. That's right. right. You can't invent a whole new sport here, and 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 so that that's I, I sure I think anybody doing these types of things probably has to work through that tug of war. But there's another one going on right now based around timing of things, and that's in baseball. Just a quick little segue yeah. here: baseball's playing seven inning doubleheaders because they don't want to burn out their pitching staffs. They have such a condensed season. But then the second thing is when they're going to extra innings, they're starting the extra innings with a runner on second base, which changes all the mechanics. And the old guards of baseball are like, whoa, what are we doing here? But the returns have been fantastic. The games are yeah. ending. They, imagine this. One batter's up there and you hit a two-run homer, but only one person's batted because because you know there was already a guy in second base and the games are ending in much quicker exciting fashion and talk about a sport that needs some innovation and and maybe they need yeah. both distribution uh changes as well as they need kind of fundamentals within the game to change but uh they're they're getting it right with those things and and it'll be fun to see others try those things too yeah and let's put our business hats on here right i mean if you were if you were patrick right i mean you are you're not going to create a game that's going to go against right the you know the tennis federation right that's going to go mm -hmm. against wimbledon and compete with wimbledon and roland garros and us open mm -hmm. right 
and and and, and the Australia Open. Like you, you have to create something new where you can carve out your own audience. So from a business point of view, like I totally get what what they're doing, right? The established guys need to really be thinking about how to innovate. And actually, I'm going to go back to the NBA on this one because I think they've done a decent job. I mean, over the years, you know, they invented a three-point line. That didn't exist, you know, right. 30, 40 years right. ago, right? right? They moved the shot clock from, you know, 30 seconds to 24 right. seconds. It went from two halves to four quarters. You know, they, they've they've tweaked the game a little bit and kind of innovated, and I think it's made the game more exciting, right? And I, and I think all of these sort of legacy sports need to be thinking about mm-hmm. that. Otherwise, you are going to have guys like Patrick and even, you know, TBT, right? The the basketball tournament, mm-hmm. like they're innovating also, right? They're basically saying, hey, man, like, okay, you, you guys in the NBA, like you, you have your thing. The NCAA has this thing. But, you know, there's a bunch of other really good players out there right. who can really ball. Right. And let's create something around that, right? It. Let's 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 give them a chance, right? And and uh, I think we're going to see more innovation in sports like this. And I think the sports that don't think or innovate or think ways of how to change things, you know, you you think tennis is long. What about cricket? <laughs> Three days. <laughs> I mean, like this, <laughs> like this is shout wow, out to the global know, audience. Um, Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you know, you know, golf also, right? I mean, these games need to start thinking about this, and and right. um, in in order to maintain, you know, there there was one Tiger, and Tiger really sort of helped golf, I think, tremendously over the last couple right. of decades. Four days. But are of you going to rely on like a? <laughs> yeah, but are you going to rely on like you know personalities like that to come yeah. around every you know ten twenty years yeah. to sort of reinvigorate the, the you know the game? Um, I I don't know. So. That'll be an interesting one, one, one to follow. But I, I, I support Patrick's initiative, and I, and I wish them well, and I, and I'm, you know, looking forward to kind of more of these things in other sports. Good on them, absolutely. So I got our, our, our fifth one here, Vlad. You ready to kind of put out our last one in here today? Let's kick it. All right. So we're going a little bit of uh, some uh, pop culture with us. So A Rod and J Lo, power couple. I'm not sure if they're married yet or not, but engaged. Let's just let's just keep them as engaged. <laughs> They've put. Should we? Should we? Should we call them Rodlo? Uh, actually, actually, Alo. Actually, J Rod. J Rod. J Rod's in some of the articles. So, so we've got J Rod. Okay. okay. Um, J Rod's. They're they're putting in a bid to buy the New York Mets. Hello, the New York Mets. Uh, a Rod was a Yankee for what ten years, twelve years. That's where kind of he made his name. Certainly yeah. made big bucks. But uh, they're looking to buy the New York Mets, and and the New York Mets have been the sordid tale. They've got pyramid scheme around the owners about a decade ago the guys now are in big time financial trouble so new york mets they haven't won anything in forever i think 86 was their last title so uh they're they're certainly the little brother of new york baseball for sure yeah uh, but 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 the j-rod couple that let's talk about the money side of this so they're looking to put in 300 million of their own money that I mean that that's a real number and um, they're partnering with a couple of billionaire owners. One guy owns the Florida Panthers. Others uh, a, a Vitamin Water co-founder, and and they've got a net worth of eight billion. So they, they've yeah. found partners that that are going to put their bid in a legit framework, right? But but that three hundred million it, that that looms large for kind of the the celebrity side of of the contribution to that bid. But but a couple other parts are, are to to consider here is that um, so baseball's got. Um, a, a very low um, minority profile in their ownership. Um, so you've got the, the the owner of the Angels is a Mexican-American. He's owned the Angels for quite a while. 
I think I yep. think in baseball, he's the only primary owner that's a mi- minority. You've got some other folks that are part of groups. You got Magic with the Dodgers. You got Jordan and Derek Jeter down there with the Marlins that are part yep. of groups, but they're they're not the front money. They're not the big money. Um, sort of a celebrity angle, but but a lot of those guys. They kind of stay behind the scenes, right? There's they're they're not out there on the scene like J Lo is still That's entertaining, right. you know, putting on shows right. and and driving her 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 brand in such a prominent way. But I I, I think it raises yet another question here, and and, and maybe Derek Jeter's name is an, an important angle is that so A Rod he's going to put in you know combined with J Lo three hundred million. Is he going to is he going to run the team? You put in that kind of money, and and is he going to back away from his ventures and now run the team on a day-to-day basis. Interestingly, Derek Jeter did do that. Jeter didn't put in as much money as some reports that he put in maybe 20 million of his own money and he does run the biz- the baseball side of the Marlins. Interesting that's, you know, the shortstop and the third baseman from that decade-long team there in the Yankees, but I think it raises that question is is what's A-Rod going to do there? And J-Lo, you know, is still going to be the entertainer. And, and and that's her thing, and she should. So so what do you think, Vlad? Right. What do you think about this Yeah. Story? Well, you know, a couple of things. One, sports are becoming, I mean, not becoming, it, it is entertainment, mm-hmm. right? Let's, let's sort of be honest about it, right? I would say J-Lo knows something about it. A-Rod knows the game, right? So maybe they're thinking, hey, and we got the money, so, you know, we have we have the whole package. Um, but I, you know, it strikes me a little bit of a vanity kind of thing for them. Um, you know, they're obviously very wealthy and this is like the thing, I guess that, you know, super wealthy people do. They now buy a sports team. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, my, my kind of question is, you know, would I invest with, with them? If I, if I had the money, would I go in with them? Right. And their 300 million contribution is significant. But what's the team going to go for? Maybe a couple of billion, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, likely that's two something, plus. Something like that. So this is what about fifteen-ish percent, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, so you still need a, you know, a, a big nut on the back end to come to kind of you know cover this. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an investor, you know, you're kind of like wondering, okay, what what's my role gonna gonna be here? Do I just sit on this for 10, 20 years and then hope that you know we can sell it off for four billion and I double my money, like? Right, or is it just like a vanity thing so that I can say I own something with, <laughs> with, with, with these two, with these two, right? Um, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, sports are so fickle and so difficult to, to, you know, successfully manage. But at the end of the day, I think this is kind of a vanity thing for for them. Um, not that they're not serious about it, but you know, th- that's how I'm, that's how I'm approaching. Yeah, it. I, I like how you frame that, but, but. There's another angle that's a little bit head scratcher to me is these these billionaires that are looking to partner up with them. I don't think they play second fiddle very well. I'm I'm not guessing they got to the top of their empire. And that's the other thing. Good good right. luck keeping those people out of right. your business, you know, all the time, right? And telling you who they need to fire and hire and you know, they have one bad game and they're like, We gotta fire that coach or we gotta fire that player. Get some new players right. out there, right? Right. So 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 these owners are buying in with their kind of their hobby money, if you will, but they want their name to be out in culture themselves. They want to be on the scene in their market and be known for being a big owner. And so 
can you imagine that? Like, so now you're going to be, oh, you're the, you're the Florida Panthers owner or you're the vitamin water guy, but you're actually step out of the way. So we can, so we can go interview uh, a rod or JLo about, about their plans for the team and the plans for the future. Yeah. I, I just have a hard time seeing that one. sell. yeah, as a, as a co-investor, I'd uh, think twice about it. I would really like to understand what, what the business plan is yep. and who's going to manage this and uh, you know, what, uh, what the composition of that board or ownership group is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, also having said that, you and I know that sports teams don't go to market that often, right? So the thing is, like, if you're in your 50s and you're a billionaire, this might be your last chance <laughs> to get in on a deal, right? right? And, and, and you're not buying the Yankees, right? Because that, that, you're not that's, buying the Yankees, that's, not that's up right. For sale, so that's right. Is this your angle? And, and the other New York teams, I, I don't know that market well enough to say, but, but yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful point here is that there's just not a lot of things to buy. Right, right. So... Anyway, so that's it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Yes, indeed. I think it's closing here soon. Um, So we'll see. It'll be fun to watch in the next couple weeks. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Mike, to close us off, I got our little come on, man moment. All righty. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Rattle my chain here. So for our audience, Mike and I have talked about all of our discussion topics. We've sort of gone over all of these points, but the come on, man, is a surprise. Uh So he doesn't know what I'm going to say, and I don't know what he's going to say. Uh, so Mike, no pressure. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to basketball no pressure. rockets rockets the other night. I'll just start with, come on, man. You start with rockets. Come on, man. 58, three pointers. <laughs> <laughs> well, granted, granted 58, three pointers, 58, three pointers. The and they lost the match. They lost no. the game. I mean, is anyone surprised? I mean, what come kind on. of come on, yeah, man? That, that's, what that's, kind of a game is that? Larry Bird I probably mean, took fifty-eight in one season. If we if we went back and look at the data, so the games changed for sure. But but sure, 50, yeah. How, how many how many shots are taken in a game? A hundred? Ninety? Probably a little bit more. I mean, if they're scoring, you know, 100, 120 points a game, let's say they average somewhere, you know, fifty, sixty percent, right? I yeah. mean, you know, it's it's a couple hundred, okay. two fifty, right? Okay. I mean, tops, right? That's a lot of threes, man. <laughs> come on, <laughs> man. A lot of threes. <laughs> That's that's nuts. That is, that is a lot of trees. Uh, anyway, um, what, what was well, what was Harden's contribution to that? About about thirty of the oh, fifty. You know, I <laughs> oh you you caught me you caught me on okay. that one. I I should have okay. I should have you know you know specifically put him and you know the other stats here, but I I I didn't. I when I saw the number, I just like oh I just got to bring this up. <laughs> so anyway. Mike, awesome, great, great show. first episode. Yep. This was great discussion. Um, Yeah, look forward to continuing this next week. Let's do it. Until next time. See you guys. Take care. Take care now.